plug in your headphones because you're listening to You Guessed It Pressure Points with your host DNAJ. Now, let's unzip those skin suits and get ready to stimulate some peepees. everybody you know what it is i'm d i'm aj and we are your radio face friendly hosts back at it again today with some scams from senior aj over here gonna be going over i believe some wild scams and did i hear you right when you said ponzi yeah, nobody really knows what the fuck he did, so I figured I'd share. Didn't he make the pyramids? He yes. was the one that created the pyramids. Yes, he created the pyramids, <laughs> and he learned how to filter bleach out of water. Oh. Or the Egyptians. I don't remember. Uh, I always uh, get those two mixed they're up. They're pretty much the same. Ponzi, Egyptians, same difference. Yeah, they're essentially the same. So, welcome to episode four. Thanks for being here. Have you ever been scammed? Me, personally? You, personally. Uh, I mean, I was a member of the church for a minute so <laughs> probably i would say yes but right. if we aren't talking religion wise still yes all right do tell well not really it was just oh. summer sales jobs yeah no, okay yeah so you, you understand the uh door-to-door salesman <laughs> but you only make money if you're able to sell something that you already spent money on yeah and you get a you get a higher <laughs> tier of payment if you recruit someone oh, below oh, you definitely and you get a portion of their sales yeah. <laughs> so nobody ever has to work. It's just the people on the bottom. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it's a pyramid. More so, it's just a triangle effect. It's a three tri- D triangle. <laughs> a trickle up, if, if you yes, would. The trickle up effect <laughs> in macroeconomics. It's it's wonderful. So I stumbled across a subreddit, our scams, and. Started reading some stories. We all we forgot to uh, mention we are in the hot box today. Oh yes, we're we're rocking it in AJ's closet today, not my closet. Uh, We're not coming out anytime soon. It's toasty. Oh my god, it's like a sauna, and I just pounded whiskey. (laughs) So, oh my god, it's not getting any cooler in here. (laughs) It's a win-win, baby. You're gonna have two sweaty dudes telling you about scams You're today. two sweaty hosts, <laughs> D and AJ. Yep. Two uh, sweaty hosts of the day. And we're going to be scamming you out of some some money for memberships. <laughs> oh, I mean, we don't offer that yet, but, you know. Maybe in the future. We'll yeah, check it out. We'll see if you're willing to give us money. But, so I stumbled across this subreddit because of this gripping story of this guy. He was, you know, Fairly young dude, early 20s, trying to hook up on Grinder, trying to, you know, searching for the love of his life, probably not searching the right spots, but, you know, I've never been on that. Uh, I've officially never been on that app. My lawyer would like to remind you, but (laughs) (laughs) he, you know, fairly naive guy. He totally admits that he, he made some mistakes. Being gay was not one of those mistakes, no, by no. the way. Being gay is not a mistake. Yeah, our lawyers and no. we want to emphasize not a mistake. Yes, I personally <laughs> want to emphasize being gay is not a mistake. The mistake is going to Grinder to find the love of your life. <laughs> That's not where so, you find him? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, oh. it's not. So what he did, he found somebody who, about the same age of him, uh, one city away, you know, so close but not close enough to visit all the time. Starts talking, they really hit it off. And it's 
This guy gets so excited. He's not really been in a lot of relationships. He's definitely not out of the closet to his family at this point. So he kind of goes with it and they start dating. They start dating long term. They never really meet up in public, which is a, a pretty decent red so flag. Long distance, long term. Uh, not super long term. Oh, Definitely long distance. Away. It's been a, a couple of weeks up to this point. Okay. So they're at this point exchanging, you know, dirty texts. And business cards. Business cards. <laughs> bracelets uh trading cards definitely trading cards yeah. yes mostly magic the gathering get that Yu-Gi-Oh <laughs> shit out of here and fuck pokemon but i officially our, our lawyers our lawyers uh want us to emphasize that we're not going to fuck pokemans <laughs> yeah. that's how my mother says pokemon she says pokemans non-ironically so they uh they start exchanging tasteful nudes We'll say. Ooh, okay. So, you know, they're they're starting to get into it, and they, you know, it's this huge thing. Then they finally want to meet up. So they set up a date. They set up a time. They set up a place. He goes to the place 30 minutes early because he's nervous and was already kind of in the area. He was trying he, to, he was oh, stalking. He was He was ready. stalking him out. He was trying to, he was trying to keep an eye on him. Yeah, which, you know what? If you're dating someone online, I'd. Go ahead. If you're dating a scam artist online. Oh, yeah, that too. He didn't know at the time, though, that this was probably a 40-year-old Indian man. But he went to the place, oh, no. got a text that said, hey, I'm sorry, I can't I can't come in. Or I can't... Uh, I can't come <laughs> I in. I can't come in. I can't meet you. I got into a car accident. Uh-oh. So he was, well, shit. Like, that sucks. You know, let me know how you are. Are you doing Okay. All this stuff. He says, oh, I'm fine. My parents are going to kill me, though. And that was kind of the end of it. They didn't talk much after that, just every once in a while. Then oh, all of a, a sudden... Terrible, that's a terrible scam. Right? And then nothing <laughs> happens. And then he went home. No. So he got a call a couple weeks later from someone claiming to be this person's dad. Uh-oh. Saying, this person that you've been dating and exchanged nudes with and, you know, sexted and all this stuff you're trying to be in a relationship with is underage. He lied oh, about his age. no. Was it an Indian guy that was on the phone? <laughs> he lied about his age? <laughs> yeah, right. What happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> God but they, damn it. They, uh, yeah, so he said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know about all this stuff. And they basically, the, the father said, hey, we won't prosecute you. We won't, you know, put you in for pedophilia or statutory rape or anything like this. As long as you help us, just pay for the hospital bills. Because he had to go in. He got had to get checked oh out. Oh, my God. So this guy says, okay, and forks over a whole bunch of money in money orders. Uh, I don't remember how much it was. It was a couple hundred bucks. And then too at that much. point, he... Yeah, too definitely much. too definitely, much. Yeah. So then he cut all contact with this kid, of course. Because yeah. who wouldn't? Like, that's fucked up. Then, a couple weeks later, somebody calls, claiming to be this kid's mother, and says... Oh, my God. You no were dating way. this underage boy but it was but it was an indian male trying to sound like yes you are dating this this underage boy exactly exactly and we don't have enough money to fix his car oh, and he stole man. my car so i need you to pay me money or i'm gonna pursue charges so he money orders a whole oh bunch of money God, couple i think it's about a thousand dollars he sends them and says, hey, you know, I'm so sorry about this. I didn't know. At this point, still being super naive. He didn't expect it was a scam or anything. He really did care about this person. 
but realizing that he was underage, he couldn't pursue that anymore, but he still felt bad about it, you know? Mm. This kid was going on a date with him. A couple weeks later... Allegedly. Allegedly. A couple weeks later, gets another call, and it's same thing, again. Uh, I'm, Basically, I'm the blah, brother. Blah, blah, blah. You gotta pay for... <laughs> yeah. You gotta pay for these bills, or we're gonna charge you, blah, blah, blah. And this went on for months. Jeez. This went on for over a year. And he's just sending them money every, every couple of weeks. Time? He would just send them money. God, dude, just like <laughs> bite the bullet, go to jail, and yeah. then pay your fine. Like, But he... it, it was never like Jesus. a crazy amount to this person. This, this oh, guy, okay. He made okay money, but it was a couple of hundred bucks every, oh, every once in a while. Months, yeah. He had a savings account. Like He was much more fiscally responsible than I am. So this kind of kept going. And finally he said, oh, fuck, I've been scammed shit and he just cut them cut all ties they claimed they called him and after he said oh i'm not going to pay you anymore i know you're scamming me they said i'm going to send a private investigator out i'm going to do all this fun all this fucked up shit and after a couple of weeks they stopped calling because <laughs> he wasn't worth it because he wasn't paying anymore <laughs> and our investment isn't paying off exactly so this is a cautionary tale of him posting this of hey don't be a naive idiot like me. I've learned. Learn from my mistake. Jeez. So if that happens to you, please don't pay them anything. Please. So pretty yeah, just make up. Just make sure to get nudes first. Yes, get the nudes first, then sell them <laughs> on the P-Hub. And then pay them with the money that you made. Exactly. With a cut. With a cut of the money you made off of their... 35% is amiable. Yeah. So 40 if you're being generous. That inspired me on this topic. That that story because you relate it. I have not. Because you've done that. Yeah, I, it's happened to, to me. me. Help! <laughs> I am trapped in a hot closet. I'm tied to a chair. Shut your mouth! I give you whiskey. <laughs> I own your voice. <laughs> I own your voice. You signed that contract. <laughs> so that that kind of inspired me to look into scams a little bit more because up to this point I'd only heard another story on another podcast about scams and that was like a year ago but Go we're not listen. gonna we're not gonna say we're not gonna say that because we don't advertise yeah we're not advertising but uh listen to mysterious universe because they're wonderful <laughs> they you know i've only heard about scams from old people essentially that's like, the biggest one that I've they're heard. really easy to scam <laughs> i'm not gonna say it yeah, but we all know we, we all understand. know what we're all thinking we'll get into that yeah so I wanted to look into them, and so I started researching. I went down the Wikipedia rabbit hole oh. that never ends, and, you know, that's why I've got three pages of notes here. So, <laughs> I was about to reach for a piece of paper to make a paper noise into the microphone <laughs> to imply that I had a bunch of pages of notes, but it's all on a tablet. <laughs> so, everybody's heard of, like, get-rich-quick schemes, uh, let's see, persu persuasion schemes where you're just you know, prodded until you pay money. You're annoyed until you pay money and then they go away. That's kind of kind of that thing. People hear about, or hopefully you've heard about um, scams where you download something off the internet and then they lock your computer and hold it ransom until you pay them money. If you haven't heard about those, send us an email real quick. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll send we'll, you a couple links. We'll send you a couple links. <laughs> uh, uh, for education, we're not scamming. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, what are they called, ransomware? essentially, is, uh, let's see, they also have found a couple cool scams where people would get, like, a lead bar and then spray paint it gold because gold is pretty heavy. Oh, okay. And then lead is really heavy. And so poisonous. they'd spray paint it. Well, yeah, if you eat it. <laughs> Don't eat the lead bar, kids. 
So they were they would... biting it to see if it was real <laughs> yeah. gold, okay? Yeah, that's fine. So they spray painted them gold or painted them gold, however. And then they would like, hey, I've got this entire fucking bar of gold I need to get rid of. I'm going to give it to you for oh, pennies man. on the dollar. And then people are like, that sounds like a great investment to me. I'm just going to, you know, take out my wallet. I'll write you a check right now. I don't even give a shit. People are idiots. What an investment. Yeah, exactly. So, let me see. Of course, people hear of the false injury and extortion things like, oh, you very gently rear end somebody. Then you say, hey, you know, we don't really need to call the cops for this. Give me a call if, you know, anything happens. But we'll exchange information and go on our way. And then they call you the next day and say that their neck hurts and they went in and got a scam and their back is broken. Got a scan, not a scam. Oh, God. I went into the hospital and picked up a scam. I mean, a scan. A scan. Oh, I meant spam. <laughs> and, you know, they basically say, if you don't pay me, I'm going to pursue you in court. A lot of times people will just pay to not have the hassle, even though they haven't done anything wrong. And, you know, these people are lying to them. I Jeez. love it. It happened a lot in old TV shows during the early to mid-2000s where people would ham up their injuries by getting, like, a soft neck brace. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, but wonderful. Uh, there are a lot of gambling scams out there where if you're going to a casino, there are certain laws in place where the house can't have too much of an edge, where you're protected in some way. It's still all random, and you're still going to lose all your money, but the house specifically cannot have up to a certain extent of an edge on winning. Mm. If you go to non-casino, off-the-books gambling, they're just scamming you. You're never going to win. No, I watched it on Sopranos, and somebody won, like, a lot of money in a hotel when they were no, playing No, those were pesos. Uh, yeah, that was... Those were pesos. No, nah, I've probably, never seen that probably show. Real, I honestly. don't really know. <laughs> pesos. Pesos, definitely, yeah. Another one I heard about, this was on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries oh, from God. 1997, I think. Oh, no. But it was a dude in South America who claimed that he was a doctor creating this treatment. He had to, you know, do the treatments outside the U.S. because it wasn't FDA approved yet, but he was still doing trials and it could cure your cancer, it could cure your heart disease. Yeah, it it's called be... stem cell fucking research. <laughs> this buddy. was before stem cells were really <laughs> practiced, but... Basically, he would get people to come down, like, second mortgage their house to save their loved ones, Jeez. bring them down, take tens of thousands of dollars, and he was basically just in the back in a pharmacy mixing shit together. It was like a mixture of people would go through these IV treatments and get a bag of normal saline one day, and then they'd get a, a bag of normal saline with, like, some lidocaine in it. Then they'd get, you know, normal saline mixed with all this these opioids just kind of randomly oh, thrown God. together, and he always just kind of shook it all together. It's a bag of saline, but it's cut with about 50 grams of heroin. Yeah, and people would feel better. So people would then go <laughs> review and put them on the internet, tell their friends, hey, I feel great, I'm going through this. And then over the weeks, these are weeks of treatments, they would just slowly deteriorate until, they're, until they die. And then oftentimes at that point, the spouse of the person that he was scamming would be out of money and be stuck in the country. Oh my god! So, you know, people new would... employee right there. Yeah, honestly, exactly. Yeah. Then you got you got you just have to recruit your neighbor and then you get to go home. It's not a scam. It's an it's it's an investment. An investment. <laughs> so you always got to make sure that when people are pre presenting you with qualifications, that they're legit. You got to look into them. 
a lot of the scams nowadays have moved online. It's cheaper. You don't have to call people. Nobody likes calling people. I fucking hate calling people. It's and, the worst. But here I am talking to probably the six people who will download this. But it's because they're not talking bad. back. Yeah, exactly. You have no chance. <laughs> <laughs> you have to listen to me. Welcome to our opinion channel. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so, I got me interested in some old scams, like from way back in the day. I found one of my favorite ones was the old Spanish jail trick, where. <laughs> You would claim... No one expects the Spanish uh, jail trick. (laughs) Exactly. So, you would... You know, let's say you're an old widower on your estate in England somewhere. You would get a letter. And it's got to be official because it came... You know, it's a letter. It came through the mail. And it was some rich dude who was wrongfully imprisoned in a Spanish jail somewhere in the New World. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then, basically, it was... It was exactly the Nigerian scams. If you give me money to pay my bail to get out, I will pay you back tenfold. Jeez. And then, you know, you send them the money and you never get it because they're not a rich person in jail. (laughs) They're somebody working down the street from you. There's a a female murderer. I didn't didn't do any research on it, but it reminds me of her. Uh, She did the same thing. So she... I believe she owned a lot of land, and her husband, of course, mysteriously disappeared. He oh, of course. ran away from his million-dollar estate for some <laughs> reason. Uh, and she would write, she would write to men in England and convince them to come overseas, marry her, and she would basically just like get money out of them. Oh, hey, like uh, buy my property, buy my property, invest in my property, or whatever. And then... Divorce, I get half of it. Yeah, either divorce or they would mysteriously mysteriously disappear. disappear. Uh, Or uh, she would just ghost them in, you know, early America. Oh, I don't remember what it was, but uh, I'll I'll have a link in there in the show notes. No, you won't. You'll never remember I will. I will remember. We'll see. We will see. So nowadays, you're not getting a letter from people, for the most part. You're going to be scammed in email. You're going to be scammed... On Grinder, Tinder, Skype, through the phone. See, that's a way to do it, though. Yeah. Like, you should go back through the mail, because the only things I get in the mail are, like, catalogs for shit that I don't fucking need, my insurance information, or credit card offers. So, scammers out there that are listening... <laughs> I expect a cut. Pro tip. <laughs> I deserve at this point I deserve at least 15%. If I were to get something in the mail that looked like a hospital <laughs> bill and it said go to this website and it's the same website but a .net or a .info, <laughs> I would probably follow that link and pay that bill. I wouldn't because I can't click on the piece of paper. Oh, that that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's gonna, way too much work. I'm not going to type in a URL. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, what fuck that. Ah, no thanks. So, I found some, some old interesting scams that just made me chuckle. One was, Give me uh, a nice chortle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me a nice, a nice chortle. So, one, it was called salting the gold mine. <laughs> that sounds like a euphemism. It does. I'm just going to be honest it, here. It definitely does. <laughs> and it may well have been. But at this point, let's say you go to California, you buy up some land from someone who scammed you saying there was gold on it, there's no gold on it, you've been mining, so you have some some 
some mines, some cave entrances, things like that on your land, and suddenly you're shit out of luck because they scammed you. So you just have this shitty land that doesn't have any water on it in Northern California somewhere. But think what the, the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> what you'll do is you'll go into town, buy a shotgun... <laughs> Uh, and buy some gold, just a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. I thought this was going in a different direction. No, no. Okay. <laughs> and then what they would do is they would basically get a shotgun, some shotgun shells, and some gold, grind up the gold into like a gold dust, and then shotgun blast into the mine so it spreads the gold dust everywhere. Oh, okay. Then they would put up a listing. Hey, we found gold here, but I've made enough money that I can retire. I'm willing to you know, sell it to somebody else. Have people come in. They see the gold dust everywhere. Boom. They buy this shitty land that has literally nothing on it. Or another thing people would do is they, let's say they owned a property with a creek or a river on it. They would plant gold nuggets into the river, bring people onto the land, and then pan for gold in that spot until they found those planted nuggets and saying, hey, I found this. Hey, I found this. This is, you know, $200 worth. Which was a lot back in the day. Period. They're like, oh, I found seven dollars worth of gold. Yeah. Oh shit! I can eat beans for the rest of my life. I'm a hundred air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they just sell it, skip town. Jeez. It it, it was wonderful. A great day and time for scams. Another one, kind of, lies in with gold and treasure hunting things like that. It's basically the old phone book trick where you. Fill a newspaper, or a newspaper, you fill a briefcase with phone books, and then you put dollar bills over the top, so it's like heavy, <laughs> yeah. and then you like open it to the mafia rival, and you say, I got this much money, I'll pay you off to stop doing this, and then you give them that, and then you skip town, and then they're ripped off, I don't, I don't fucking know. That's why know, you but... always threaten to count the briefcase full of alleged dollar bills. Yeah, exactly, you should always count them. Yeah. Before you leave. Can I count that? Uh, no. Uh, give me a minute. <laughs> uh, let me call my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they would do this back in the day. There was a huge market for people going to your property and saying, hey, I have this seer stone. Hey, I had a psychic <laughs> vision. Hey, I had, I used my dowsing rods and realized, and I found this treasure. And they'd go in front of a whole bunch of people and say, hey, I found this using this method, and they'd open this treasure chest. That was 95% filled with sand. And then and the top phone layer. Books. And 95% phone books. phone books back in the 1800s. Yeah, 1700s. <laughs> and then the top layer would be like gold and jewelry, and they would specifically go out and create these artifacts of plates that had completely <laughs> bogus hieroglyphics it was really in to know about like hieroglyphics and runes from the vikings things like that so copycats and scam artists would just stamp these in they didn't understand the language but they knew what they looked like stamp them in and say oh this is evidence that the vikings were on your land in middle america 200 (laughs) years ago or a thousand years ago or you know However long, because people didn't know. You could get away with saying there were Vikings at your house 200 years ago. They were. In the 1700s. Okay, they were. Like, they were there. I, even though that's I not even it. when they were around. I believe. Exactly. I know that it's true. Yeah, so people would even go as far as to find Native American burial mounds and dig into them, plant these fake false plates that had no bearing, fill it back in. 
and then wait five years until somebody bought the land. Then they go in and say, hey, I, I can find this. Go in, find this thing, and then get paid a whole shitload of money claiming that they can find more. Look at my archaeological resume. Uh, I definitely have done this plenty <laughs> of times before. I am not scamming you. Yeah, even nowadays, there. I was reading this article on modern-day archaeologists going into burial mounds in eastern in the eastern United States and finding all these wonderful artifacts of, you know, Native American origin, and then right in the middle is this thing full of Nordic, Nord runes that was made during 1897, you know? It, it was, it's just, oh like, my people, people God. would plant these, and then if nobody bought the land within a couple of months, they would just leave them, because <laughs> they were cheap. They would look like gold, but they would really be like a brass, <laughs> painted, or just crazy, crazy Two, 200 shit. years later, people are still falling for the fucking scam. Yeah. Oh my God, the Nords were here. Exactly. So, uh, that might sound familiar, because that's- Just vaguely. Very vaguely, but it's- Only if uh, you literally, know yeah. history. Yeah, so we, we won't mention it specifically, but if that rings a bell, I suggest you do your own research into that. So you were telling me that you recently came across some information that pertained to this in the news. Yes, along the same lines of it may or may not be kind of the same religion that we were just talking about. <laughs> um, so down in Kaysville back in 2006, there was a guy named Robert Moritzen, and it turned into a federal case because Ooh. of how large this scam was. Uh so, uh, if you know how the Mormon church layout works, stake presidents, uh, the easiest explanation for that is like they're the regional manager of the area. Okay. Um, so, this stake president, Robert, or sorry, uh, brother, Moritzen, um, he had approached three members of the church and said, hey, I have this amazing investment opportunity wow i could trust you take my money and it involves a series and this is a direct quote of what what they were told okay. it involves a series of complicated international transactions oh God. that involves governments in asia and europe and requires the help of attorneys and bankers it's expensive to keep the project moving sorry the project bolting caps it's expensive to keep the project moving forward, and it's subject to extremely strict confidentiality agreements, and I can't really disclose very many details. Oh, oh, of course. You signed all the, all the NDAs, but you're also trying to get me to invest? Oh, yeah. There are a couple red flags <laughs> I'm picking up. Oh, best part? So you wouldn't think that, like, one guy would get three people scammed out of one and a half million dollars three people three fucking people yeah those are some rich ass people <laughs> yeah fuck both of us in this room have a net worth of probably negative two thousand dollars yeah, i think like seven is is mine seven about tree fitty or something about tree fitty <laughs> but yeah wild uh so he like i said he was caught um they they got after him and um he Got charged with, like, laundering and, uh, like, conspiracy to commit fraud and fraud. Uh, I mean, I 
I don't know how many years this guy went away for, but it was a lot. Uh, and there was also another guy that posed as a, a stake president that conned people out of money. Like, he conned a couple companies. I didn't look it up, but, uh, yeah, I, that was one thing that I did see. He he convinced these organizations that he was a stake president and that we're trying to build parks and bridges, essentially. Like, oh. just, like, community projects, and these people will give him money. And he's like, cool, thanks. The worst part is that uh, it was like one hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars or something, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I know. Like, it's no one point five million, but <laughs> uh, the judge said that he either had to pay back the one hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars to all of the investors within five years, or he would serve his jail time." How long do you know? Uh, I don't know. I'm not positive. But I'd probably just serve the jail time. Jail, jail time. Chimes. The jail chimes. I'd probably just serve the jail time and get out of the bank. You <laughs> just know, it collect good. interest for that, you know, five years or whatever. Just put it in a Swiss bank account. You're yeah. fine. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so if you're looking more into the church, uh, yeah, you should definitely look into the one that AJ described over here. Um, which I don't want to throw any names out, yeah. but the guy that ran that scam, his initials may or may not be JS, and he may or may not have founded said church. Potentially. So, yeah. Allegedly. Maybe. maybe and Allegedly. it might have been Seer Stones. I'm not. Maybe look up something that has to do with treasure buried in the backyard. I'm not I'm not dropping uh, names I or details. also, you know, look up, like, you know, that alleged person's father and grandfather <laughs> and the family business. You know, prior to the age of like sixteen or whatever it was, you know, allegedly. This is just generally. Yeah, this speaking. is. We're not talking about anything specific. Our lawyers really want to emphasize, want us to emphasize that this is just generally speaking, and not attacking any specific organization or church, or monetary business. Oh, never. Which. It may be all three, it may not, but our lawyers wanted us to emphasize that. I like that we say our lawyers when it's just. One person? It's just one lawyer? No, we have a team. I mean, our team of lawyers, of course. Yeah, we have. Yeah, don't, don't sue yeah, me. Don't sue us. We have a I don't very have any large money. team of lawyers. <laughs> and they don't go by DNAJ. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely not. We do not have those little plastic glasses that have like the fake nose and the mustache. We do not have like eight of those. Your Honor, house. I object. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So that just goes to show. From the story at the beginning and this one, don't trust strangers, but also don't necessarily trust the people in power around you. They may be using it to take advantage of you. I'm not saying everybody is. Everyone's trying to take advantage everybody. of you and steal your fucking money. Oh, so yeah, don't make any true. money and just put it into memberships for us because we will return your investment. We, we don't have a membership program. I'd like when to remember, we have but one. <laughs> you can uh, Venmo me. And it will go to a good cause. It Probably, will go uh, to a good cause. I will some sort of research company. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> and also, if you remember, if we all convert to communism, there is no I. There's, There's no, my, no money. my money. It is it's our, our money. money. It's our dun, dun, lawyers. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, my God. All oh, right. gold. So, so uh, Ponzi. Almost. Almost? Oh, Almost. Man. I had my hopes up. I wanted to- I was dropping buzzwords. I was Throw out some, some specifics first. You ever heard of doTERRA? Or <laughs> Cutco? 
Uh, or you mean Mary Kay? What I believe and sell currently. Do you want some lavender essential oil? It's only eight dollars for an ounce. Yeah, and it's gonna make me feel. It's gonna cure your so cancer. Much better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah, Grandma, so, if you're listening, just just hit pause or just skip the next like ten minutes. It's yeah. Okay. So, these aren't technically pyramid schemes. They are multi-level marketing schemes. Don't say scheme. Don't uh, say uh, scheme. Companies. <laughs> They're schemes, okay? If anything requires you to pay into it before getting money from it, it's a scam. 99% of the time. If you have to buy the set of knives and then go sell them. Oh, but they sell themselves. No, they fucking don't. I'm not going to buy a set of knives from some greasy-ass dude on my porch. It's a pre-investment. Pre-investment. It's bullshit. That's what it is. <laughs> A lot of times you'll hear the buzzwords, you know, work at home, be your own boss. B-Y-O-B. Yeah, a lot of this shit is is uh, complete bullshit. Uh, there are also a lot of weight loss scams out there, which kind of makes sense. Anything people want to do quickly, there's a scam for it. Oh my god, I've been scammed. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Looking at you now. R.I.P. So, you know, I have a body for radio too. I, I even saw you know. oh, oh, definitely. <laughs> I have a body for radio as well. But even just today I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw another fucking ad. I'm not even going to mention what it is cuz I don't want to help them at all. They piss me the fuck off. But it's a weight loss thing where it's oh, it's a before and after picture of two people that are obviously different because Instagram ads are very low effort. And it says, "Oh, I lost 90 pounds in six weeks and it only took two bottles of this stuff I bought from somebody and I was doing the math and if you had lost 90 pounds in six weeks you would probably be dead like it, that is so much you should at the very if you are dieting hardcore and exercising every day for an hour you'll probably lose three or four pounds a week the only time I want to see a medication that has before and after pictures is if it's Viagra and not <laughs> dick pics, not dick pics, mind you, just like some old miserable fat dude that's like, before I started taking Viagra, I was miserable and I hated my life. And then he's just happy. And then he's like, the next photo, he's super skinny, totally jacked. He's got a hard on in his, like, in his, uh, in his in gym his shorts. Dickies. Yeah, in his dickies, like, he's just rocking a hard on, but just like abs. And you're, and he's like, and I lost all of that fucking weight jackhammering my wife <laughs> daily for four hours. See, but you give him too much credit. It's definitely not a medication. <laughs> Again, it's a bullshit. Uh, and it, I, I, it's, it's, you know, in society we have a lot of unrealistic beauty standards that are pushed upon by society, religious groups, um, being a teenager in America anywhere, Living in a, being alive, this world. Yeah. And... You should only in six weeks be losing like maybe 25 to 30 pounds. I was going to say healthy 60, your first two weeks. That would weeks, not be healthy. Uh, your first two weeks of weight loss, you're technically like healthy weight loss, mind you. It's supposed to be like five to 10 pounds your first two weeks. Every week after that, it's only supposed to be two to three pounds. Yeah, exactly. Max. More than that, and you're putting way too much strain on your body. Yes. I know way too much about this. I also know about that. Unfortunately, I don't practice any of it. <laughs> you can know about it and not practice it. That's fine. That's why we're on a podcast. Yeah. That's why you can't see us. We're right preaching now. to you. Yeah. 
I, honestly, I'm just scratching my abs right now. Oh, yes, definitely. Me too. <laughs> Man, that pumpkin bread was good. So It was real pumpkin. It had pumpkin vegetables in it. But, uh, yeah, pumpkin's a vegetable. Yeah, Not exactly. a starch. It wasn't even a bread. Yeah, we just say bread. It was a no-carb, sugar-free. Uh, Low-carb, sugar-free, definitely no chocolate in there. So, basically, if it seems too good to be true, it is. Uh, I'm sorry, and I hate to break it to you, but, yeah, if it's too good to be true, it is. And it's a scam. So, uh, another really common uh, scheme. I like the word scheme. That we should have just called them schemes. We should have. <laughs> fuck. Sneaky schemes. Sneaky schemes. That's going to be the the title of this episode. <laughs> episode four, sneaky schemes. <laughs> so... Uh, it happens a lot. So this is something to kind of keep an eye on if you sell things online. If you are, you know, in this wonderful state and you use KSL or if you use Craigslist, eBay, anything like that, you should be careful because there are a lot of fucking schemes on it. Sneaky One schemes. of the most common, yeah, sneaky schemes. One of the most common ones is, let's say you're selling a camera for $600, big ticket item. Someone will contact you and say, hey, I want it. I'm not around you. I want you to ship it to me. I'm not a scam artist. I'm not a scam artist. I want you to ship it to me. I will pay you first. You will get the money and then ship it to me. Like, I'm I'm putting myself out there. I'm giving you the money first, essentially. Mm-hmm. So most people will be, oh, that's great. I would so they yes. will send a money order to you for the amount of the camera plus the cost of shipping. Mm-hmm. Great deal. That sounds great. Nobody would turn that down. You get the money order and suddenly it's... Two to three hundred dollars more than the cost of shipping, and immediately the person contacts you and says, "Hey, I'm so sorry, I wrote the wrong number down. There was a mix-up. This money order is way too much money. Will you just write a check and ship it in the box to me for oh, the difference?" Oh hell no! Initially, I was like, "Okay, yeah, like that makes sense. These are all things that would happen." As soon as they say check, fuck off. Well, you why don't know, you I, just fix your goddamn money order? I can kind of, I can kind of understand this with money orders. Once it's filled out and sent, you do not have that money anymore. Yeah, but wouldn't you just cash it? Like, I would take the money order in, I would cash it, and then I would send their yeah. money back. To yeah, yeah, they would even do that. They they would even say, you know, could you send me a check? Could you cash it? How whatever it is, mm-hmm. it that that part's not the important detail. It's just oh, get okay. the money back. I to was me. like, oh, send it back to me. Okay, yeah. So, a lot of times people will just do, like, a check or another money order because mm-hmm. it's easier and ship it to them. They ship the item, you know, deposit them the money order, no problem, get the money. Three days later, all that money is out of the account because the bank will deposit that money initially, trusting that it's a legit money, money order. Then, a couple days later, a couple uh, hours later, oh, they will find out that it's fraudulent. I just got fucking Stolen scammed. or using, you know, false account numbers, and then all of that money from your account is gone, and there's nothing you can do about it. I just it. got schemed. You got schemed. And then, not only that, but you also just sent them a $600 camera Damn plus it. an extra couple hundred God, dollars. Man. So you don't even have that anymore. Oh, the worst. So look out for that shit. And if anybody's like, oh, I want to buy this. That is really yeah. smart. Like, Shit like that, I couldn't have thought of that. Let's but, stop you know, podcasting. Let's just do that instead. Right? Do that's old people. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it to the elderly. <laughs> yeah, fuck the elderly. We'll send them Viagra. It's like a, oh, okay, hey, that's thanks. fine. <laughs> that's fine. As a bonus. Get it? Bonus. <laughs> Bonerous. <laughs> Bonerous. So, yeah, Charles Ponzi. Oh, it's Ponzi time, baby. Everybody knows Ponzi. 
not a lot of people knew what he did. He or was actually a really was. good comedian. Actually. Yeah, he, he was one great comedian. He's on. It's uh, always sunny. He was a phenomenal writer, uh, <laughs> and he was a director. He as could well. barely fucking do math. Yeah, uh, all those things, but only one of those are real. Yes. So, he was born in 1882, in Italy, really poor part of town. He died in 1949. He was 66. So he he lived through like the Roaring Twenties, World War One, and World War Two. He probably made it the Roaring Twenties, honestly. <laughs> you yeah yeah. That guy had definitely. to make bank. I'm assuming. If he didn't go bankrupt, he died I'm penniless. Be pissed. Yes. He died penniless essentially. So he had a lot of wealthy ancestors in Italy. He was raised in Italy. He went to school, but his family was very very poor at that point. The family had spent all the money. So he, he had a lot of pressure from his parents, mostly his mother, saying, hey, you need to go out and make something of yourself in this world and get and bring our family name back <laughs> to riches, essentially. Oh, man. Well, he didn't bring it to like, well, he brought them shame. Yeah. But yeah. He definitely didn't make a good name for no, the family. Yeah, definitely did not. Like, imagine some kid walking around right now. It's like, oh, I'm Mark Ponzi. And people are like, you motherfucker. Yeah, you asshole. <laughs> Bankrupted Boston or some bullshit. So his life was fairly normal, but very impoverished. But his uh, family saved up a lot of money to get him into like a four-year university in Italy, which was very, you know, that's like high-end shit. Hold on. I'm just going to make a prediction here. He took the cash and ran, didn't he? Because he's a fucking scam artist. No, even worse. Oh, no. So he went to college. Okay. He... Met a whole bunch of people and became great friends with it. You know, had a great friend group. Huge Who were also super rich. Uh, so he spent all of his tuition no. and school money on bars and shows. Oh, what a Basically dick. because all his friends, oh, were going to the bars every day, going to shows every night. So he had to. Of course, he had to save face. So, yeah, he spent all of his fucking mon- money on bars and shows, mm. which is something I generally do as well. But yeah, I was going to say. I'm not. I, mine it's is, my money. Mine is mostly just bars and food. Uh, Chocolate bars and food. <laughs> yeah, pumpkin bread. <laughs> so he left after four years with no degree and no money. And his family was pissed. But he had a ton of friends, Mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So his family basically encouraged him, hey, you fuck up, go to America, get a job, and get rich. Because that's what fuck a lot some of, people out of money. Yeah, exactly. That's where a lot of Italian immigrants were getting their money. Italy, this part of Italy during this time period, was really fucking poor. Wait, wait, wait. America, they were that's where they were getting their money? Yes. During the nine, like early 1900s, around then? Early 1900s. Would you say like 1920s mostly? Uh, even before that at this point, this would have been probably around... Prohibition? The early <laughs> 1900s, like 1905-ish. Oh, okay. I was excited. Not quite prohibition. Damn. Right? That would, that would, oh, God. That would be I was better. hoping. I was like, if Ponzi was a, was a not scam artist, a scheme artist. A scheme artist bootlegger? And a bootlegger. I would have been thrilled. I would mm-hmm. I would get posters of this guy. No, definitely. Uh, you don't want to. I've seen a picture of him. He's Ooh. not a looker. He's got a face for radio. He looks like he was born impoverished in Italy. <laughs> oh, okay. During so, the 1800s. Oh, okay. Like if you and I had a child, but we were poor. Yes, and er, thin. Poorer. If we were both and poor thin? and thin. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. No thanks. So he got on a ship in 1903. Oh, I did have it written down. 
November 1903, he arrived in America, and he had $2.50. He started off with a lot more money than that, but he gambled it away on the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking degenerate dick. So he basically took up a job in... So during this time period, a lot of the immigrants would be almost sequestered to certain areas of the city. Like, you would have, like, a Chinatown. You would have, oh, this is where a lot of the Japanese people are. This is where the Irish are. This is where the Italian are. And they would all kind of stay together because of their, their culture. And, and because of eugenics. You, understand you didn't want all those people too. dating the, the pure white race. And for language reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, he didn't know English. So he took a job as a dishwasher, learned English, then worked his way up became a waiter, learned okay. even more English, Look getting some go. education, got fired for a theft and because he was oh, shortchanging the Ponzi. cash register. God damn it, Charles. So he would, you know, pay out people's change but give them 10 cents less than they should have and then pocket that 10 cents. Or, Stacks up. And then he would just steal from the register. <laughs> that actually was happening while I was working uh, one of my first fast food jobs. <laughs> Seriously? Uh, it didn't happen at the location I was working. Uh, sorry to get off topic, You're but good. they forced us to start printing these large reports um, because these two guys would work uh, drive through and register. And one of them, when people would come in and they would say, oh, I'd like this item and this item and this item, uh, they would put in like one or two of those. Well, they put all of them in and then the person would pay them. They would void out like a bunch of them, but they would print the receipt prior to that. So people would okay. get a receipt that said, hey, look, like uh, this is how much it should have been. Mm-hmm. And then they would void out like four of the items. Then the amount that they voided out, they would take the difference. So like let's say the difference was $10.07. They would just put a $1 bill and then like so much in like pennies off in like the the credit card slot in the register. Mm -hmm. So that way when the other guy is cashing out at the end of the night, he sees, oh, I have five dollar bills here and seven fucking cents or whatever, like in the in the extra coin slot. So he would take fifty dollars out and whatever in that, and then he would just follow through with the rest. So the report that they would run would show all of the voided items throughout the day. Okay. Are, yeah. Were they called the Ponzi brothers or and something like that? Because I don't know. Is it damn. is it really similar to what he would do? At this point in his life, that's what he would do. Like, oh, okay. That's essentially what he Honestly, would do. Honestly, they were probably doing a podcast. Yeah, they were probably doing a podcast. <laughs> Talking about schemes. S- yes, yeah, schemes. So during this time in his life, he learned French, English, and obviously he already knew Italian. So he got caught up in a lot of minor theft. He did some, uh, let me see, I lost my spot. Some fraud, of course. Super common. He also got caught up in the robbing Peter to pay Paul style schemes because he worked at a bank. He would like mm-hmm. accept money and things like that. So he got caught up. He didn't even run this. He was just working at a bank that was not reputable. Oh, okay. And he learned that what they were doing is they were taking money. People would like, you know, open a savings account, put $100 in there. Then they would take that money from the $100 account and use that to pay off their investors. So it was oh. robbing Peter to pay Paul. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Taking money from one person to pay off the investment of another person. So that was his first exposure in that. Uh, eventually, that bank got shut down. Of course, he had to get more jobs. He also got into forging checks 
at this point. So, you know, real reputable guy. He's he's a sweetheart. What a, what a great guy. What a sweet dude. He then spent three years in a Montreal jail, two years in an Atlanta prison, because he got caught smuggling Italian immigrants, where he would also charge them a lot of money. <laughs> oh my God. Just think, you could spend all of your time in American prison for $3.50 a day. Exactly. So he... <laughs> He uh, learned a lot at, during this time period in prison from a guy named Charles Morse. He was basically his role model. And that's this the dude, guy that definitely made the Morse code, by the way. Uh, same dude. Unrelated, but... Same dude. <clears throat> same dude, uh, <laughs> but unrelated. So this guy was an investment banker who was in prison because he frauded a bunch of people out of thousands of dollars. Thinking that he was the one that made the Morse code. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so this guy, Charles Morse... Ate prison soap every day. What? And then got sicker and sicker until he was released from prison because he convinced the doctors that he was dying. Oh my god. Because he was eating this soap. Jesus, dude. Yeah, this guy was in in there for banking law violation, fraud, corruption, and war profiteering. So a great role model. Oh my god. I think this was around yeah, this was around World War One. So now were they cellmates? They weren't cellmates, they but they were in there the together. Prison. Okay, I was like, oh, nothing beats matching uh, <laughs> someone that's known for fraud with uh, someone also known for fraud. Yeah. So he le- learned a lot from this dude, uh, and then he got out of prison and tried to start up a bunch of different businesses. You know, he was going to go legit. He started like a, a fruit stand. He started advertising businesses. They all failed. Mm-hmm. Because he was horrible with money. So he this was good is good at spending others' money. Other people's money. Yeah. yeah, he's great at spending other people's money. So this is Same. where the Ponzi scheme Ooh. comes in. He was uh, the running... Ponzi scam is scam. what I'd prefer Damn. we call it. Okay, the Ponzi scam. <laughs> so this is where it finally happened. It was the summer of nineteen nineteen. He's in his forties, I think, at this point, almost in his forties, late thirties. And he sets up a small office to brainstorm ideas to make money. He starts a business to come up with ideas to make money. <laughs> so, you know, uh, oh, man. Uh, great what guy. A dick. So he, he was also, you know, a little bit into different type of advertising and things like that internationally, even though that business was failing. But he basically wanted to come up with the ideas in the U.S., contact rich people in Europe, and sell those ideas to them. What the f- Fuck. So, you know, genius. He was a genius. God, man. So one day he received a letter from someone in Spain and a company who was interested in advertising in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So in the envelope, back in the day, they would send it, especially for businesses. You can also send it, like, personally. It wasn't a huge thing, though. Basically, you could send somebody a letter and say, hey, I'm blah, 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 talking about this. I want to advertise in the U.S. Can you help me? please respond, and then you'd send what's known as an IRC, or an International Reply Coupon, where basically you can take that coupon to the post office, and you don't have to pay your postage to Spain. Oh, okay. It's prepaid. It's, it's exactly what they have now, right? Yeah, I mean, kind just of. Just pre, prepaid postage. Prepaid. It's, it's a lot simpler now. As, yeah. Back then, it was just a coupon. Oh, okay. And that's when he got his idea. Oh, no. His miraculous scam. Scheme. Scheme, Sorry. So because of inflation post-war from World War One, Italy was fucked. They're, they had a shitload of inflation. It was a really, really 
horrible thing, but that made it so that if you were to, say, take a boat to Italy, spend a thousand Italian dollars, whatever rupees. it is. Yeah, definitely rupees. You could probably, honestly, if you spend a thousand rupees, you could get 2,000 testicles cut off. Oh, probably. Yeah. At least probably. that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> so he, you know, the idea was go to Italy where inflation is bad, buy a bunch of these international review or inter, international <laughs> review boards, now international reply <laughs> coupons, and bring them back to the United States and sell them in the United States for a cheaper than what the United okay. States was selling them for, but still as a profit. K- kind of makes sense. It's it's arbitra- arbitrage. Which arbitrage. is where arbitrary comes from. Basically, it's where you take advantage of a price difference ge- geographically. Oh, okay. So if you were to buy cheese in France for cheaper and then sell it in Belgium or something like that for a higher price, that's that's the price difference between the geology. So huh. he was just Isn't taking that what of that. all of America does with Chinese goods? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So at this time, it wasn't as big of a, as big of a thing. Because most most of the time it's, oh, I will pay for this manufacturer to produce these goods and ship them to the United States where I will sell them. At this point, it's just he's going to go buy something that's already been produced and supposed to be sold there and then sell it somewhere else. I see that. So he's creating that that connection. Okay. He's the middleman. But of course, he couldn't just sell it to the United States. Oh, of course not. Because the United States was selling them. Yeah. He would have to sell them to either other people or to the post office directly, have them but the post office was already selling them. Oh, my God. So, you know, it was a little convoluted, but it made sense on paper. He could, Ponzi, he could do this. scheming son of a bitch. <laughs> so he realized that if he bought one in Italy and sold it in the U.S. for the U.S. price, he would make a 400% profit. Oof. But these are like 20-cent things. So... It's not a huge amount. If he was able to do it on large scale, which is what he was trying to do, it would work. Mm-hmm. So he needed money so that he could charter a ship, go over there, <laughs> buy up a bunch of these things, and then so figure out how scheme. to sell them. So yeah. he could scheme. Right? But no bank would invest in him because of his history. <laughs> Obviously, he worked for a bank that went under because of schemes. Oh, my God. Schemes and scams. So instead, what he did was he set up a stock company to raise money from the public. And then he basically allowed anyone from anywhere to invest. He promised that he would return a 50% profit in 45 days and a 100% profit in 90 days. Which, wow, that sounds like a scheme because that's not realistic at fucking all. But people, people were like... Oh, this this guy seems legit. Oh, what a guy. Yeah, what a guy. He's so nice. So he created what's called the Security Exchange Company. Not the ex- Security yeah, Exchange I was like, Commission. I was like, uh, the SC- Ponzi created the SEC? <laughs> Let's one freeze real quick. One of them. <laughs> Not the real one. <laughs> so he would specifically, in the in his first month, he made 25000 peop- uh, dollars. He made 25,000 people. Yes. Pumped it out. Oh, my. What year was that? That was 1919. $25,000 in 1919. Good lord. This is members of the public. This isn't bank investments. These aren't wealthy people. These are just anybody on the street he would allow to invest. Those are Rockefeller children because, yeah. (laughs) Even children because it wasn't against the law at that time. (laughs) 
God. So everything worked great. After four months, he made what was equal to $5 million in 2017 dollars. After how many months? Four months. He made $420,000 for Why Tony Why are we Blazer. podcasting and not fucking people out of money right, right? now? Good four Lord. Four fucking months, and all you got to do is set up two fake companies. So at that point, he made a shitload of money. He hired a bunch of people as agents to go out and get a commit, or they would basically work for a commission. Oh, you get this person to invest, you get 5% or whatever. I don't know the number, but you would get a cut of that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times these agents would just, instead of getting a paycheck, would just directly invest it into the company. Oh my God. So they weren't even getting paid for their work, not directly. So everything was going great. He deposited all this money into the Hanover Trust Bank, 100% to get a controlling interest in the bank. He, If he could basically have his account have the most money or have more money than the other accounts combined, then he would gain a controlling interest. Because then at that point, let's say, let's say I went to a bank and deposited a trillion dollars or something, you know, something crazy that it was more than all the money that they had combined that point they would start utilizing that for their investing and you know mm. how banks make money yeah yeah then if i were to say no i want all that money to out now then they have to do that and that would make them sell investments at a loss it would lose a whole bunch of money so once you have that controlling interest you get to start making shots you get to start you know and you get to start taking shots too well yeah he was already taking shots at this point he was rolling good lord so in six months he had over a million dollars in the bank in God. six fucking months God. in 1919. A oh, million dollars in 1919 Props is insane. That's uh, about $10 million in 2017. In just six months. In six months. On top of the five million that he had made the four months. like No, no, that's total. Oh, that's total. Total. Good Lord. So he expanded, of course. What, what else would he do? He yeah. expanded to Maine and New Jersey and people, for the most part, would not take payouts. So, like, you put in, you know, your $10, then you get your payout of your 50% increase, you get $5 or whatever. People would just automatically reinvest it into the company. <laughs> so he ne he rarely had to actually pay people out anything. People would just keep investing it into the company. And Ponzi created the stock market as it is today. So <laughs> I mean, he really fucked with it. You, <laughs> Oh, God. So this is right at the beginning of the, you know, the roaring 20s. There was some money around. It was before the Depression, so people were pretty frivolous with their money. But behind closed doors, the business was operating at a huge loss, obviously. He would use the robbing Peter, the pay Paul. He would pay people's returns by the new investor's money. His idea was, oh, if he has one person who is going to get their their payout, then the two new people who just invested with him, that money just goes directly to that other person. And then by the time those people want to pay out, he'll have more people investing. <laughs> he will have already and just recovered do that, that money. Forever. Yeah. That, that's Good essentially Lord. his plan. Up to, uh, I found this really interesting note that 75% uh, of the police officers in Boston were invested with his company. Oh, my God. He definitely targeted them. But he, he, would, he would really just take anything Send from anybody. Send me to jail. I make you bankrupt, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At this point, he still hadn't figured out how to exchange the IRCs into cash. He had no idea. Like, it would, that was still just his his plan that he sold anybody on. But 
he never told anybody that he didn't actually not figure out how to do it. (laughs) So, you know, slight flaw. And it was logistically impossible at that point with how much money he had going in. For So for just $1,800 invested, at this point he had millions. But if you invested $1,800, it would have taken 53,000 coupons sold to profit. Oh my god. So logistically it just did not work at all. It would have taken a Titanic-sized ship full of the coupons back and forth to Europe and the U.S. constantly. Oh god. To make the amount of money that he was claiming he was making. So what do you do if you're making this much money? You (laughs) buy a mansion. He opened accounts with every major bank in Boston and deposited money. He and then also got loans. He also bought a locomobile, which was the fanciest car of the 1920s. The locomobile. Ooh. Mm -hmm. He even paid to have his mother brought to the U.S. He donated a bunch of money to a children's home. Good, not nearly very much money, though. <laughs> a couple thousand dollars out of his millions. And then he uh, also bought a macaroni company and a wine company oh. because he realized he was in hot shit and he was hoping that the profit from the wine company and the macaroni company would be able to pay back the investors. Oh, man. He was hoping. He didn't really know how deep he was because it turns out he's not very good at math. Who'd have thunk? God. So people started to get suspicious after this. It it exploded, just like you would imagine the 1920s did. You know, during that time period, people were going out and doing a whole bunch of stuff. Same thing happened to him. He was spending money in crazy amounts. People started to get suspicious. Originally, uh, Ponzi sued a reporter for libel, which basically shut down a lot of investigations early on. Oh, wow. Because during that time period, you would sue the reporter directly. Oh, really? Not the, not, not the company? Not worked. the company. The company wouldn't protect you at all. Oh, wow. So nobody else wanted to get personally sued by somebody who has millions of dollars in the bank, obviously. So they they just didn't investigate it. But, you know, obviously, a couple, couple months, a couple of years go by, and he started to get investments of up to $25,000 a day. Oh, my God. And because of that, that's what brought some some suspicion in like nobody can keep up with that during this time period he basically paid a whole bunch of people to write favorable articles for him and run them in the newspapers and he he very very closely almost got caught early on multiple times but he always just somehow avoided having his books actually checked Hmm. like Sometimes it would just be him like saying, oh, let's go out to dinner and then getting the person drunk. Or sometimes it was just the person would forget, like the investigator and would you just you take the tab. Yeah, you, t- you figure this out. So at this point, you know, he, he has millions. He has $25,000 a day is going crazy. But he, one of the one of the biggest things, the biggest red flags was Ponzi himself did not invest any of his money in his company. Oh, I see. He did not invest in his own product. <laughs> Kind of kind of suspicious. Only you'd slightly. Think, especially if you're getting 100% returns in 90 days, you'd think he would invest like just $1 million maybe, <laughs> and then in 90 days have $2 million. Because he's getting $10 billion, a $10 billion percent return on your yeah. funds. Yeah, so Jeez. there's this dude, Clarence Barron. He officially started to investigate this guy. Uh, let me see. So to cover the... He started running numbers, and for Ponzi to cover the amount of investments that he was getting, he would need to be 
or there would be 160 million of these coupons being in circulation in the U.S. alone. Jeez. In the U.S., there are only 27,000. <laughs> so there's the first problem. Even worldwide, there were less than that, of course. There, there were nowhere close to it. So the post office in Italy and in the U.S. denied any large amounts of IRCs being sold in Italy or being bought in the U.S. So, so far, not looking good. And he basically found out that the overhead of running this company would be a loss. He wouldn't be able to get those returns, uh, especially if it was Titanic-sized ships back and forth constantly. Yeah. And then people selling, you know, selling these huge amounts of these products that were not selling to regular people. Not not often at all. So, you know, the heat started to get turned up, but this guy, Clarence, put out an article that caused a huge panic where Ponzi had to pay out $2 million in three days of people who were oh worried that, oh, oh, no, have I been scammed? Like, have I been schemed? Yeah. I need to, you know, withdraw my stuff Money now. Out, yeah. He he had crowds in front of his his company, and he would just go through the crowd. They didn't have electronic funds transfers back then. <laughs> yeah, weird. How about why didn't that? They, why didn't they just go online and hit withdraw? I hate you. <laughs> so, during this panic, Charles Ponzi himself went out with like pots of coffee and donuts and gave them to people in the street who were panicked, and that for some reason, reassured all these people that, oh, it's in good hands. He's a nice guy. He gave me coffee and donuts. What a good dude. He may have taken, you know, thousands of dollars from me, but at least he fed me and gave me coffee this morning. I feel way better. Yeah, exactly. So at this point, the attention attracted the Massachusetts U.S. attorney, who started to look into it a lot more, especially working with Clarence. (laughs) So Ponzi, of course, hired a publicity agent, William McMasters, and I love this dude. William McMasters, his only job was to make Ponzi look good. That was his whole, that's what that's he was hired for? his whole job. And he spent a lot of money on this guy, but immediately McMasters was suspicious because Charles Ponzi was an idiot. He immediately realized, this dude's kind of dumb. He's... How is he able to pay me when he doesn't even know how to do basic math? Yeah, so he... Uh... Immediately found incriminating documents because he was basically given full run of the office because it's like, hey, you know, look around. You can investigate. Just, you know, make me look good in the newspapers. Found the incriminating documents, looked through the books that were just garbage. And then he sold the story to a uh, a newspaper for $5,000 rather than get paid by Ponzi. Just took his money and ran, (laughs) immediately turncoated on this dude. Oh, I love it. He wrote it, and Ponzi claimed during this time period that he had $7 million in liquid assets, which is a shitload of money. In reality, he had $2 million in debt that we know about. Oh, man. They did some, you know, people who are a lot smarter than me ran a bunch of numbers after the fact, like decades later, and realized it could be up to $4.5 million in debt that he was in. Good Lord. So... Basically, people started to do massive withdrawals. They went to the company and started to get the money out and things like that. But they were basically economists and attorneys at this time were terrified because that withdrawal would bring the banking system in Boston to its knees. (laughs) It would break it. It would break the economy because of how much money that was. So during this time period, because people were starting to withdraw, he also got over $250,000 in additional loans from these banks. 
who had no choice but to lend him That's the money true, yeah, because he because... had the ruling interest. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> he basically blackmailed him. So but legally. <laughs> yeah, legally. So the Hanover Trust, which uh, was a bank, basically ordered to block all checks from Ponzi. This was Ponzi's personal bank. Oh. They, The attorney got to him and said, hey, if he tries to cash out any more checks, block him. Wow. Like, he's not getting a cent more from you. And he, basically, he was $7 million in debt Oh my during, God, during the 1920s. So his plan was to, I love that I wrote the word steal here, but it's crossed out and underneath it says borrow in, quota- in quotation marks. <laughs> but it says basically he planned to borrow from the vaults to pay off the people directly from the vaults of the banks. So not even his money, God. but the bank's money itself. I just imagine him like very like sneakily getting in yeah. there. He's like, I'll bring this back later. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you fucking will, Ponzi. Yeah, but of course, because the attorneys were already on it, they blocked him from doing that in immediately because that would have caused probably five of the largest banks in Boston during that time period to go out of business and would have been very similar to the Great Depression in Boston. Jeez. So pretty pretty horrible shit. So he he knew he was fucked and he surrendered himself. He got charged for mail fraud. He was released on a $25,000 bail that he paid with stolen money. <laughs> And then he was rearrested for larceny with a $10,000 bail, but no bail broker would actually pay because they figured he would probably just flee the country. Yeah, I was going to say. Like at that point, yeah, he was just going to dip. (laughs) He was so untrusted that bail brokers would not help him. (laughs) Like, fuck. This guy is not worth the investment. (laughs) Oh, God. So he, yeah, he's not worth it. He uh, basically shut down a bun- uh, six banks. It ended up happening just in the Boston area, or like yeah, that, this basically is the north northeast, eastern, yeah, eastern United States. And some of these were smaller banks because it would be easier to gain control of them. Um, but Hanover Trust was, I believe, one of those, which was a huge bank back in the day. So because of that, investor uh, investors, yeah, lost twenty million dollars. Man. Which is two hundred twenty-five million in two thousand eleven. So that's a shitload of money. Yeah. And these were regular people. These were not like Wall Street investors. These was most of these people were not super wealthy. These were even kids who would find coins in the gutter and bring them to him. Jesus. They would put their entire allowances in this, and so pretty horrible. You know, it's just two hundred twenty-five million dollars. Yeah, no, was lost. Deal. Yeah, you know that's fine. I'm sure the economy is fine with that. That's but, Trump change. Yeah, nothing. The His investors received less than 30 cents on the dollar, and he destroyed thousands of people's lives. Jeez, Weird. dude. So he eventually got to the Supreme Court because it was so fucked up, and he was, I think he was in prison for about 10 years before that point, got to the Supreme Court, and then he fled to everybody's favorite state, Florida. Florida man steals $225 million from rest of country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, <laughs> he didn't learn from his first mistake. He went to Florida and then would sell people swampland. That was, first of all, garbage. Ponzi just Second stopped all, for the love of God. He didn't even own the land that he was oh selling. Oh, my God. Made, a, made some money like that. Then he tried to flee the country, served seven more years in prison, and then he was finally deported in 1934. So, it took until almost halfway through the Great Depression 
to get this dude who contributed to the Great Depression. Yeah, I was gonna say definitely I contributed. That he's like a major factor for it. <laughs> that, yeah, until he was finally, <laughs> finally deported, where he died penniless. Uh, let's see. His bookkeeping was so poor that they never were able to untangle the numbers and the amounts. He would use his own like systems, which just didn't make any sense. So there was never a specific amount of money that was found. But basically, he was in debt millions of dollars, and he lost tens of millions of dollars during Good the 20s. God. My so, hero. Yeah, Charles Ponzi. You know, now you know. Now you can tell yeah. your shitty work friend who's always one-upping you that you know about you Charles know about Ponzi. Ponzi. And you'll Ponzi the fuck out of him. Threaten yeah. people like that now. Yeah, you should. I'm going to yeah. Ponzi the fuck out of you. <laughs> I will two hundred. I will take $225 million from, from you. From this economy. Somehow. <laughs> God, oh, God. Man, that is insane. So the internet nowadays is a wild west. You got to be careful. And, yeah. yeah, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. If people were following that during this time period, you it would have been great. Like, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, man. Back in the 1990s, like, back in early 1900s, if people weren't always on Grindr and Tinder, <laughs> the world would be a much, like, the economy would be so much better if they oh, weren't definitely. always on Tinder back yeah. then. I mean, but if you match with me on Tinder, just Venmo me money. Yeah. Venmo me $5 and see what happens. <laughs> Fuck off. Nothing. God. Uh, heads up. Nothing will happen. She will unmatch you. I'm not speaking from experience I've, because I'm not dumb, but... I've definitely thought yeah. about making a Twitter. Oh, man. Pretending to be a girl and telling a people Tinder? to... Uh, Twitter? Oh, Twitter. Yeah, and pretending to be a girl and telling people to send me their credit card numbers. No, man. Just send like, them that's, foot pictures. Yeah. Honestly. I don't know. I got obviously mailed. Who cares, feet. dude? Like I bet you could convince. There's a niche. You could convince Tarantino. Like oh, definitely. Quentin Tarantino would be like, what foot pictures? You're gonna be in my next movie. Are they are they washed? No, I'll give oh. you a thousand dollars. Are they kind of yellow? Fuck yeah. Slightly. I'll massage them for you. Mm. Oh man, just the worst. Don't know. Mm. Stop that. <laughs> Stop it. Mm. <laughs> oh, dear. it's just. Oh, yeah. Could you, yeah, I, I just so, can't even imagine the impact that that had on people. Really, though? Like, hey, I'm making all this money. Hey, I've reinvested a couple of times. It's just compounding like crazy. The regular investment accounts that are going on nowadays only return 3 or 4%, and I'm getting 100% in 90 days. I'm getting days, 4 million three, percent. Three fucking months, I'm getting 100% returns. I'll just reinvest that, no, and it's gone. cash out. Cash the fuck out. <laughs> If you get the money the first time, cash oh, out. Yeah, seriously. Also, never invest money you're not willing to completely lose. Yeah, right. Ever. Oh, God, dude. that It blows my mind. Also, uh, that's not investment never advice. Invest, I'm not a financial blast. Never invest in someone's bath water. Ever. No, no, that's worth it. Oh, oh, is it? Only if you get to drink it. Oh, are you speaking from experience? No, yes, no, no. <laughs> I meant no. Our lawyers uh, want to emphasize. No, uh, no. AJ meant no. Definitely, uh, it, that's a no. Ah, man. But I have a wonderful new business proposition for all of our fine seven listeners. And that is Podcast Boy Bathwater. We're real sweaty right now in the hot box. And it comes with a label with my foot pictures. Ooh, it's both our feet, but with like mayo on them. It comes with a, a monthly magazine subscription of just foot pics <laughs> of us. So we're nice and sweaty. We're going to go jump in the... 
bathtub. We're going to take a bath together. <laughs> With our feet. With our feet in it and, you know, all that ball sweat. And oh, Jesus. But, hey, uh, follow us on Twitter if you oh, want yeah, some, yeah. some shitty dumb updates and not-so-good <laughs> memes. I'm still laughing uh, at the last one. But... The Caillou one? No, Beer before one. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. Crabsturbating. Crabsturbation. Crabsturbation. Uh, so for more gems, points o pressure. Yeah, points o pressure at points o pressure on Twitter. Uh, follow us. Hit us up. Feel free to uh, slide right into those DMs. Ooh. Not with foot pictures. I swear oh, God. to God, don't send I any I swear to Christ I will block you. Um, Unless yeah. you send me $5 too. Give us some feedback and we'll go from there. Yeah, I've got a sneak peek for the next episode. Mm. It ended up with me with a cork board, a whole bunch of red yarn, and a whole bunch of newspaper articles. Make sure you bring some tinfoil hats. It's a conspiracy theory. Don't forget about thumbtacks. Oh, and thumbtacks, yes. It's a conspiracy theory, but it's all true, so it's not really a conspiracy theory, (laughs) but that's what it felt like. It's really fucking convoluted. And I really hope that you like communism. (laughs) God.